I got two great quotes for today that could be the title of the podcast. Either it's everybody needs a Lendo or how do you prevent become a, cl- a company of clones? Welcome to this episode of Beyond the Purse podcast. My name is Frank Wammers. I'm Chief Technology Officer of Capgemini Europe. You can follow me on my Twitter handle at FWammers. And I'm, again, delighted to be uh, uh, joined by Will Pichi. Will, can you give a short introduction of yourself and where we can follow you? Thanks, Frank. It's lovely to talk to you again. So I'm the Group People Supply Chain Officer for Capgemini. So I'm responsible for our people and their work on assignments and our clients' demands and fulfilling them with the right kind of staff. And you can follow me uh, on LinkedIn, which is where I principally post my articles that I write. Cool. Well, and, and well, it's good to have you on board, particularly for the, the people supply chain uh, part, because, of course, uh, in our business, that is, uh, that is basically the core asset that we have. And uh, I wanted to catch on on one of the topics that we discussed in our previous podcast. We briefly touched uh, a little bit on what with the different generations. Uh, we spoke a little bit like how do we connect the millennials with the uh, perhaps more experienced uh, persons. And, and I think, you know, I was a little bit intrigued on that topic. And I think we didn't touch uh, enough uh, on that yet. And, and my question to you, Will, uh, is why is that so important to bridge? And is it only between different ages or do we need to look at other perspectives as well to, to get to the right productivity in our workforce? What's your opinion on that? I think, Frank, maybe I would be even more um, selfish in the way that I think about this idea. Because, yeah, productivity is really important. Um, but actually having fun at work, I think depends on getting the right group of people together. And at the very beginning, I don't know about you, but I can think back to lots of account teams that I've been part of. And when the team is all all like me, when they're all people with my kind of background, it starts out like we click really quickly because we all know what each other are thinking. But fairly quickly, we get to the point where we can only see the problem in one way. And we all get stuck and we all get frustrated with each other and we all think we know more and we all want to show that we know more than everybody else knows. What starts out as a real valuable first step, which is we all understand how each other thinks, because to be honest, most people in Capgemini are engineers, aren't they? We either, when, when I've got a group of people I'm talking to and I ask them how they would describe themselves on this kind of spectrum, where on one side you might have done classics um, like Latin or uh, you might have done Sanskrit at university all the way through to the other side where you might have done finance, economics um, or engineering or computer science. Most people in Capgemini tend to have a numerical background of computer science or finance or engineering and they tend not to have done languages, dance or you know, the history of art. They tend not to be those kinds of people. So best teams that I've ever worked on have had this kind of diversity of thought. And when we have diversity of thought, we seem to conflict with each other a little bit less because we respect the perspective that each other comes from. And we make, while it takes a bit of time to form the team, we actually get so much more value out of the other side. And we get much more fun inside our team because we're just not all clones. So I think you're right. I think we need to not just think about age and think about gender, 
although gender we do need to think about because uh, we have a tendency not to uh, not to have women in senior positions in Capgemini for many, many reasons, and that's something that we need to, to try and address and overcome. But also, how do we get people of different ethnic backgrounds and different educational backgrounds? I think that idea of diversity in our teams is really important. So I agree uh, to that point. Uh, the, the, the difficulty, of course, is that we all come a little bit from a different background and actually reminds me of when I when I started my MBA and I did my interview with the, the, the dean that was leading the, the MBA I was going to follow. And uh, uh, actually, when I, when I was entering, uh, she did the interview. And basically, she started asking, like, you know, how many museums do you visit? Uh, how many artists do you follow, etc.? And I thought, like, you know, it's completely not relevant for doing an MBA. And actually, she said, well, it is very relevant because we want you to open your eyes and be open to a lot of influences, which basically comes back, I think, a little bit to the point that you say. So indeed, if the backgrounds that we have are a little bit more common, you need to find that diversity into a different perspective. But how do you how do you manage that? Because you are responsible for people's supply chain. You know, the most important thing is that you get the right resource at the right place. Uh, uh, do, do you actually manage that then in in a diversity perspective, yes or no, or don't you have any time for that? I'm really curious to see how from a from a group perspective, how can you manage that for a large company like ours or our clients? I think this is one of the reasons why um, your profile inside Capgemini is so important. So we do a lot of work as resource managers across the group to try and get to know our people, to find out more about what makes them tick and of course we ask you to tell us so there's lots of different ways of sharing your profile inside capture you can just load up your cv into your local cv management system or uh, into r2d2 the group cv management system um, there's a profile structured data analysis and you can go through and you can put information in about the sectors that you work in and the certifications that you've got and the skills like you know, maybe you're, you're Java or an SAP HCM specialist. Um, and your role, of course, you're, and you're quite right that our, our risk as an organization is that we get super focused on that, on that skill, the hard skill part, and we forget to think about how teams kind of form themselves together. This year, we've been really fortunate. We've had a team as part of Connect and Drive, which is one of the group talent development programs. Um, and we've had this team thinking about what are the soft skills that make up to good teams that we should think about. And they've looked at lots of different ideas to try and help us at group level think about this idea of how do you describe yourself with soft skills. Um, and so um, different things that they've seen that I hadn't seen before are things like, you know, the um, Watson sentiment analysis. Um, go on to uh, just search in Google for Watson sentiment analysis or Watson behavior analysis. And IBM Watson has this tool that will take your Twitter feed and it'll tell us um, about or, or Watson will infer what kind of behavior you have by the kinds of words and phrases you use. And in it, they've got, you know, the speeches of Gandhi or uh, the speeches of Martin Luther King. And you can process these speeches or any other text you want. And you can see how people's uh, language reflects something about themselves. It's, it's a really neat idea. Of course, 
we've also got lots of other kinds of tools and, and some of them have been around for a long time uh, that you might you know you might know that are based on questionnaires some of them are, are fairly new um, and they're, they're different ways of thinking about your skills or if you just think about the competencies you've got to display when you get promoted there's a list of capabilities and competencies we're trying to think about how we resource on that basis too so you're quite right our our progress so far has been really focused on hard skills hard roles very engineer centric but we recognize this gap in our organization and how we um how we overcome that it, that doesn't mean that we haven't done it in the past though frank and of course the role of your own resource manager in your team is to get to know something about you and the kind of person that you are no i think that that, that totally is right so i had a uh... To the different parts of the organization it's much more uh, uh, about you know getting to know people and and i think indeed the, the role of our delivery organization as well is to make sure that you really find the, the right mix of the competences in order to succeed and i think mm. that is something also for the training of our delivery guys like you know don't always go ahead of the risk what we sometimes see also in management teams not only in our organization but also in a lot of organizations outside is that you that managers sometimes try to gather themselves with people who are very like-minded because yeah that feels so comfortable but the best and successful teams that i've seen uh, also at our client sites are the ones where deliberately they they don't pick the people that are most likely uh, act like themselves but actually you know are the ones that disagree with them you know I've, I've, I've when i let the sap business in the netherlands i got a guy called lando steinberg and i always uh, tell mm -hmm. people you know I, I i i wish you will have a lando steinberg because that was the guy that always punched me in the face when i thought that, that was the moment that i that i did great things etc and he came by and punched me in the face and said well frank but that's not true and you know you need you need to have that balance yeah, yeah. Uh, one one question I have about this diversity, which I struggle a little bit with. Uh, I speak to a lot of clients about innovation, and a lot of clients really struggle a little bit on, you know, how do I organize that? You know, should I should I create a uh, should I inject it through the organization and slowly perhaps change the culture of the organization? To companies, you know, that clean out the basement, uh, put some very cool furniture in it and then uh, put some very young uh, talented developers uh, inside that, that part of the basement uh, and, and makes it very cool. Uh, particularly on the last part, I, I do recognize why they do it because probably they want to compete a little bit towards the, uh, the startup uh, uh, culture and startup companies. But on the other hand, you basically separate uh, you separate people again and you create non-diversity within your organization which I think, you know, prohibits a little bit like this mixing of what, what is your position on that? Should sometimes if you want to kickstart something off, is it then a good thing that perhaps, you know, you get like-minded people together, which doesn't create this, this diversity or should you always start with this diversity? What's your opinion on that? Your view? Um, I've had the privilege of working with a couple of uh, startup companies just recently. One of them, dedicated to how to change uh, the availability of talented people out in the marketplace. So, you know, where do we get subcontractors from? Another one really changing the way we think about technical training and, um, uh, and presenting 
the leading technologists in a really accessible way to be able to see how to to do new new coding tips and tricks. Um, and what struck me about both of these startups, which are just like that, you know, we're going to clear the, the basement and we're going to go and set up this dedicated team, is you're right, they had recruited people very like them, so they were a bit of a company of clones, um, and they were absolutely single-minded on just one thing. And because they had this kind of singular purpose, which is a bit like, you know, the innovation departments in the basements of big corporate companies, they get given a singular purpose. It seemed to work really well because that's really all they did was they just focused on this one idea and they became very, uh, they became very myopic, um, short-sighted. They became very short-sighted in their pursuits. And I think that's one of the reasons why startups fail quite often is because they have this one thing, but it's also the reason why when you succeed, you succeed massively because you've, um, uh, because you've got it. I think Capgemini is really different. So I'm not going to give you a kind of generalized answer, Frank, because I think the answer is it probably depends. But let's talk about what it's like inside Capgemini. Because I think Capgemini is different. I think what really strikes me in all the time I've worked in Capgemini, and the thing that I love about being here, is that we empathize with our clients' problems and want to see them fixed more than we think about our own problems as an organization and want our organization to succeed. I think it's, I think it's a real truth that Capgemini people see the success of our organization as a byproduct of successful customers. And so when you go walking through um, a client's site where Capgemini people are working, you can tell who works for our competitors. You know, they're kind of, they, they all look like that and they all come to work in the way that, that they work. But when you look at the Capgemini people, they really integrate themselves into the client and they bring our values into the client and kind of raise the game of our client. And I think that that's a peculiarly Capgemini way, peculiar way of Capgemini driving innovation is that we see the problem and we are very relationship-centered people. We connect and we make friends and we share outcomes and we empathize with the problem. And we try and drive innovation in the situation for the benefit of our clients. And so that's, that's why we do these amazing projects for our clients that are super innovative, but we don't seem to have our own innovation center. Uh, and the AIE has been a bit of a change of that, but. Isn't it interesting how even the AIE, actually the most successful things our AIE does are client-centered, client-focused activity, which then almost becomes for that client and we, we can't take it and generalize it. I think it's, I think it's while it's sometimes a bit frustrating, it also makes me really proud to be part of Capgemini <laughs> when I see that behavior. No, I, I totally relate to that. Uh, it's a little bit of a sidetrack from the discussion that we had actually yesterday. 
Yeah, but it, but it's also cool to mention because uh, because it also is indeed about you know how do you create a culture and mindset and how do you mix that in, uh, which then also brings in diversity because basically we also you know bringing us in can also help creating the diversity again with 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 our clients uh, if you think about that and indeed coming back to the AIE uh, we uh, I read a document or an article in the in the in one of the larger Dutch newspapers yesterday where the minister of transport announced that. Uh, they're now really looking into uh, getting the Hyperloop One doing a test track in the Netherlands as well. Yeah. And actually, that came forward because in uh, end of 2015, uh, we we helped organize a visit to uh, San Francisco to do fact finding. Actually, it was the first visit in the AI in San Francisco. And and since they also visited Los Angeles, but they had a slot open, they asked us to help us to fill that in. And actually, we brought them in contact with the with the Hyperloop, uh, at that moment, Hyperloop Tech, and then later they changed to Hyperloop One. So this was a very good example on something very cool happening now in the Dutch uh, country around innovation in transport, uh, which was enabled by an AIE visit. So that was, uh, and indeed, and it's not like, you know, we, we, we don't have any involvement in that yet, but at least, you know, it's going to help the Dutch economy and probably also the way on how we're going to transport into the future. We do that for others, don't we? You don't see us blowing, uh, there's an idiom in English called blowing your own trumpet. No, uh, okay. If you imagine a king walking into the you know, ch chamber, he's got a bunch of people who blow their trumpet to announce his presence. In English, we have this idiom called blowing your own trumpet, where you have to tell other people about how great you are rather than having people who trumpet your own activity. And Capgemini, we don't tell our own story very well. But man, we do some great things. And I think that's yeah. because our values come together um, in the team and teams are diverse and they and they and particularly in Capgemini teams are diverse and they're very value centered for our clients. And it's a good place to work. We're sounding a bit like an advert for Capgemini, so are we better. Yeah, we should stop down there, yeah. <laughs> but but there is that thing about you can assemble these really great teams for clients. Um your little comment, Frank, reminded me of a, a meeting that I had just recently with Cisco, who are facing exactly the same problem and assembling teams. Uh, we had this laugh at the beginning, didn't we, about there's no I in team. Yeah. And, uh, and as we kind of thought about that idea, you know, Cisco have, have really tried to refocus their organization to think about teams and uh, uh, and that's the place to make yourself more diverse. Yeah. Well, and that's what I take from this uh, this great discussion again, Will. I think uh, it's about it's about diversity more and creating the right mix of team rather than connecting different generations. So it's not only about you know creating you know the right executive coaches for millennial for for millennials from the elder workforce. It's much more about how do you really create diversity. That it's something that you need to manage. Because sometimes in your selection process, probably, you know, you have a certain profile which then prohibits the natural uh, integration of diversity. So diversity is really something that you you need to manage. But once you manage it and once you can add in different flavors, different cultures into uh, the right interaction, as you had demonstrated with some of the examples, that's where success success kicks in. The only thing is then, you know, the good thing is that, that success because of this diversity also will lead that, you know, indeed others will blow uh, the trumpet as you uh, as you rightfully uh, express. And the only thing is that, that, you know, it's good to be modest. Uh, it's not good to, to be shy. 
so also take some credits. Uh, and the good thing is, if you're if you're not too shy, then this guy I mentioned, Lando Steenberg, comes by and he will push you uh, and shove you in your, uh, it under your nose. Everybody to, needs to, a Lando. To bring down. Everybody needs a Lando. So perhaps that will be the quote. I, I, I got two great quotes for today that could be the title of the podcast. Either it's everybody needs a Lando or how do you prevent to become a, cl- a company of clones? Uh, will, I, I thank you so much again for this, uh, this insight. It was again uh, great to talk to you and I hope uh, a lot of people uh, will get value and will get some insights out of this podcast. Um, if you want to follow me uh, and further I'll go with the discussion, you can follow me at, at FWAMUS. And Will, they can follow you at LinkedIn. Thanks a lot. LinkedIn. Okay, thank you. People matter, results count.